This morning I want to speak to you on the ultimate word on evangelism. The ultimate word on evangelism. I want to look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, which is a well-known portion of Scripture. And we'll read a few more other uh, Scriptures this morning. The ultimate word on evangelism. And you may think, oh, evangelism, that you may think, you know, when we're growing up, evangelism, a lot of times was going door to door. As a young person, I disliked that because, oh, you, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't very good at it. You didn't know who you were, who, who were going to run across. Let's see what Jesus has to say on this topic. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And God bless his word this morning. Amen. This is what most of us know as the Great Commission. And really, in most readings of the Great Commission, begin by quoting verses 19 and 20 of Matthew 28. But it's important to see that the context actually begins in verse 18, when Christ says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That, that really is where it begins. As God, Christ always had ultimate authority. Now, when he came to earth as a baby, the Bible says that he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Philippians 2.7. Now, following his death, burial, and resurrection, we see that Jesus received special authority as Paul tells us in the book of Philippians. Now, let's look at Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, Jesus. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So God exalted Jesus to the highest place. There is no authority higher than Jesus. There is no authority higher than Jesus. Now, Paul adds to this idea in his letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians 1, beginning with verse 19. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor 
at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things, say all things, under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. So Jesus has authority over all things in heaven. He has authority over all things on earth and everything in between. He not only has the ultimate authority, he is the ultimate authority over all things. Now think about this. Since Jesus has the ultimate authority, he has the power to make strong statements, authoritative statements that reveal God's will. He has the power to make statements like that. That's why in Matthew 28, 19, he begins by saying, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to who? To me. Then he continues by saying, he uses this word, therefore, he says, therefore. Now, therefore means that he's about to make a statement of crucial importance. He says, therefore, when, when someone says something, it should catch your attention. I laugh. Seth tells me that their, their coach, their running coach here at Cornerstone, he, he says, Dad, when Coach Gabe says, when he says, tomorrow is going to be a significant day, he says, that means that we're going to run eight, nine miles tomorrow. He says, every time he says that word, he says, you've, that's, that's, a, that's a phrase that you've got to always hear. So he tells the kids, okay, the younger runners, when Coach Gabe says tomorrow's going to be a significant day, then you better get ready because it's going to be a significant day. When Jesus says, therefore, therefore, then he's about to say something so, so important. He's about to make a statement of crucial importance here. So based on the fact that Jesus has the ultimate authority, his listeners would have wondered, well, I wonder what Jesus is about to say. When Jesus says, therefore, you know, that's not something that we use at home a lot, right? Your parents, all right, you know, clean your room or do something. Therefore, it's like, what? No, here he says, therefore, so his listeners are going, man, I wonder what Jesus is about to say. Whatever it was, they knew it was going to be very important when Jesus says, therefore. The point here is that the disciples were no longer listening to, a, you know, a, just a lowly traveling preacher. But now Jesus was the king of kings. And they, they were no longer in the presence of a condemned man Hanging on a wooden cross? No. He's a resurrected Savior now. And they, they were no longer following this, this humble carpenter from Nazareth. No. Now he's the Lord of Lords. Amen. Things have changed. Jesus has authority now. Therefore, 
What is the ultimate authority going to say? What is Jesus going to say? Is he going to say, hey, listen, feed the hungry? Is he going to say that? Or perhaps he he was going to say, seek justice for the oppressed? Was he going to say, love your neighbor as yourself? All these things are important, by the way. They're important. We need to do these things. But he didn't say any of those things. Instead, he says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, he says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's, his command was clear. His command was to go. The ultimate word on, on evangelism is go. Because it comes from the ultimate authority who is Jesus. It, it, it's, it's simple yet powerful. Go. You know, what it's not, it is not this. It's not if you happen to be going... Listen, if you happen to be in the neighborhood, if you happen to stumble across somebody, if you happen to do this, if you happen to go, no, he just says, go. So this indicates that there's a sense of urgency in the message of Jesus. There is a sense of urgency. Go. Go. So as Christians, we are to take the initiative in making disciples of all nations. We are to take the initiative in making disciples of all nations. Listen, we are not to wait casually for some accidental contact. Oh, I just happened to run into this person. Wow. But Jesus says, no, we are to go. We are to go. Going must take place before we can make disciples. We want to reach people. We want to make disciples. But we have to go first. We have to go. I'm thankful for the missionaries who took the gospel to Mexico where my parents, my mom, heard the gospel. It it was a missionary who didn't even speak English, much English. An Anglo, a white man, goes to Mexico as a missionary to preach the gospel. My family, my mom receives, her family receives the gospel, and it's changed our lives. But I think, I've I've thought many times, what if that missionary had said, no, I can't even speak the language. Why am I going to go to Mexico to preach? I, I can't do it. What if that missionary had said, no, Instead of go. What would have happened to our family? And, and we fall under this false thinking that, well, if I don't go, someone else would go. That simply is not biblical. That simply is not true. That if I don't go, God will raise someone else. Listen, if God has called you, if you don't go, if I don't go, it doesn't get done. Now, Jesus gives us an idea of what it means to go in a parable that he told. 
Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse 16, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Kind of, I guess like test driving a car back then, right? Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. I guess the, the, the wife wasn't going to let him come. I don't know. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them. Compel them to come in so that my house will be full. In this parable, a certain man gave, gives a great banquet and invites lots of, of his friends, of guests. When the banquet was ready, he sent a servant to inform the guests, hey, it's all ready, come. Everything is ready. Come to this great banquet, this great party. But the guests all began to make excuses about why they couldn't go, right? One had just bought some land, another had bought some oxen, another had just gotten married. All excuses. But listen, but the implication is that they had agreed to go at the initial invitation. When they were initially invited, they had said, yeah, we'll be there. Yeah, we'll come. So the owner says, okay, it's ready. Tell everybody it's ready. Come, come on over. Servant goes back to his master and told him about the excuses. The Bible says that the master became angry and told him, Listen, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Bring whoever you find. And the servant tells him, But master, it's already been done. So the master's final instruction to the story is, And the master told his servants, Go out in the roads and country lanes and compel them, compel them to come in so that my house will be full. See, God wants his house to be full. Now, what is his house? Some say it's a local church. Others say it's a universal family of God. Still others say that God's house refers to his kingdom. It doesn't really matter. What does matter is that whatever it is, God wants it to be full. Whatever, you know, conclusion you arrive, that it's the local church, or it's the, it's the body of Christ, it's, you know, it's his kingdom. Whatever it is, what matters is that God wants it to be full. God wants his kingdom to be full. He wants the universal church to be full. He wants the local church to be full. And that can only happen when we go out to the highways and byways and compel people to come in. Compel means to urge strongly. Don't take no for an answer. Now, it doesn't mean to be obnoxious, okay? Don't be obnoxious. But it does reflect 
the urgency of the moment. There is a sense of urgency when Jesus says, go. He says, go. Now, there's something else in, the, in this parable that's important. That's the principle of receptivity. In other words, let's find those that are most receptive to this invitation. Find those that are most receptive to this invitation. The master didn't command the servant to go back to those who had offered excuses and invite them again, right? He didn't say that. Basically, the master was going, you know what? If they don't want to come, uh, you know what? Go out and bring out the crippled, the lame. Go out and bring someone else. He said, find the needy, the outcast of society, and bring them in. See, there's going to be some who we talk to about Christ and invite to come to church with us. They're going to reject our invitation. You ever been rejected by someone? You invite them. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. And they don't show up. Now, we're, we are not to forget about them or stop, or stop praying for them. But we are to find the ones that are receptive. This is this principle. The principle of finding people who are receptive. There will be some people that are more receptive to the gospel than others based on their current life situations. Now, if we're all honest this morning, the times that we sought God the most is when we had the most need. Let's be honest this morning. Let's be honest. The times that we sought God the most... It's when we had the most need in our life. Because if we're honest with ourselves, you know, when things are going well in our life, everything's clicking. There's not that really that sense of urgency to really pray. There's not that sense of urgency to, you know, read God's word, to have a time, you know, of, of devotion. There really isn't that sense of urgency. But let the tough times come. And I say this out of experience. You know, when the tough times come, I wish I could pray 24 hours a day. In fact, I wish everybody would pray for me. That's our nature. That's our nature. Jesus taught this principle. Jesus' instructions was, were, were this. Mark chapter 6, verse 10. It says, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, he says, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Jesus' instructions were to leave the place where they were rejected so they could move on to those places where their message was Receptive. How do we know who is receptive? How do, how do we know who's going to be receptive? First of all, we have to go out and communicate Jesus and gauge the response. We have to invite people to God's house 
engage the response. You know, we, we, we can't know who is receptive until we invite them first. We, we, we can't say no for people, right? Uh, I don't know that they don't look like they would want to attend church. And, and, and we do it based on appearance. Man, they live in the nice, nice part of town. They, man, they drive the nice vehicles. I don't think they're going to they're gonna want to come to church. And we answer for people. We, we haven't even invited people. So we, we can't gauge a response unless we invite them. So the first step is to invite someone so that, so that we can tell if they're receptive or not. Secondly, we know that people are most receptive when they're going through trouble, right? Like I just said, tension, transition. We need to be observant of our friends and coworkers. It always amazes me especially on social media where I see people that I know, you know, that I know, and I also know that they're not believers. But social media, when I see, hey, you know, they'll say, hey, please pray for me, you know, prayer warriors, pray for me. I think, man, they're not even serving God, but they're asking for prayer. Now, here's another point I want to make. You know, some people, some of us, we want God's help, but we don't want God. We want God's help, but we don't want God. We want God to intervene in our life, but I don't want to serve God. Everybody wants God's help, and very few people want to serve God. We have to find, we need to look for people who are receptive. You see someone who's going through a, through a season of trouble, which we've all gone through, right? Financial stresses, family, tension at work or a relationship, whatever it is. Maybe it's a, it's a you know, you're, you're, someone has moved to a new city. There's a change in your life. You know, there's a good chance that person's going to be receptive to an invitation from us. In his final words, Jesus says this. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. He has given us the promise of his presence as we obey his command to go. He'll be with you as you invite someone. He's going to be with you. He'll be with you as you tell others what Jesus has done for you. He'll be with you when you compel others to come to church. But he wants us to go. Go. No excuses. Not reasons why you can't do something. Jesus says, go. Of all the things Jesus could have said, when he said, therefore. Therefore. Of all the things Jesus could have said, he said, now go out and make disciples of all nations. That's our responsibility. That's our commitment. And I would say this, and we're going to pray here in a few minutes. One more thing. Evangelism doesn't happen without prayer. Invitation alone won't make it happen. It's not some magic, you know, thing that's going to happen. No. We must pray. We must pray. And go out 
and compel, compel people to come to church, to join us, to come. And it's not just about coming to Solid Rock Church. It's about coming to God's house and hearing from God and giving them the, the opportunity to have God change your life. Change their life. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility. You know, I said, I'm, I'm glad that someone took the gospel to Mexico so my parents could hear the gospel, so my mom could hear the gospel. Think about who took the gospel to you, to your family. Think about who... Who took the initiative and shared Jesus with your family and how your life has forever changed? My life has forever changed. The life of my wife, of my children has forever changed because someone, someone said, yes, I will go to Mexico and I will share the gospel with a group of people that that missionary didn't even know. And how that changed generations to come and impacted generations because someone shared the gospel. Think about that. This morning, I want us to commit ourselves to go. Simply go. Share the gospel with someone. Share the gospel with someone. You know, I've been inviting people to church for, it seems like, years, some of my coworkers. And, and one of my coworkers says, Benji, one day, I, I promise you this, one day I'll go to church with you. I'll go to your church. I, I promise. It's been going on for a, probably a couple of years now. And there's a part of me that kind of gets angry, like, you know what? I'm invested too much time in you. I got to move on. And yet sometimes, even when I have that idea, I always, hey, listen, I gave my coworker a card Friday. Hey, this is another invite. You know, bring your family. Bring your family. Because we're, we're told to go. We're told to go. Let me do this. And I didn't prepare anybody. That's fine. Real quickly, Sister Sanchez, who took the gospel to your family? My sister. Your sister. Told you about Jesus. Took off. Wow. Someone shared the gospel. Someone shared the gospel with her my mother-in-law who, who shared the gospel with you who how did you know about jesus who, heard about jesus wow someone took the gospel someone someone shared jesus with them and change your life. Change your life. Change your life. I think when, when Betty sings up here 
and leads, and I see her, her family, her kids serving God. Imagine if someone doesn't share the gospel with Citro Sanchez. None of this happens. None of this happens. None of this happens. It shows the importance of going and making disciples. I'm going to ask our praise team to come. Amen, amen. And uh, I want us to pray that we're going to sing a chorus this morning that really calls us, church, to, to do what we have to do to share the gospel. Share the gospel. Don't, don't say no for people. Don't say, ah, I'm not going to invite my coworker. He or she, they would never come. Never come. Don't, don't, don't respond for your coworker. I mean, if, if they're going to, if it's going to be no, let them say no. But don't you say no for them. But the gospel will change people's life. And Jesus knew that when he says, just go. Go and make disciples. Father, today, I thank you, God. I thank you for the gospel, which is good news. Father, today, you're reminding us that we need to go. We need to go. No excuses. No reasons why I can't do something. You're telling us, when you go, I will be with you always. I will be with you always. You need to go. Father, today, I pray for strength, my God. I pray your Holy Spirit would strengthen us today to just go. Just go take the gospel to that co-worker we don't know what that person is going through they may be going through their own hell looking for an answer looking for a way out of their distress help us my God to share Jesus with them and just go Would you stand, church? Would you stand today as we sing?
church arise, love with his hands, see with 